1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Oh, and hello. Good evening. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good whenever. Hello, everybody. This is High Hopes, a new baseball podcast sponsored by Sports Radio 94 WIP, along with James Seltzer. I am John Marks. Oh, hey, James. Hey, John, I like the little pause before podcast. It's like, it's a
1: baseball podcast. I like that. That was a a, a pensive podcast there.
0: That's just because I was going to say blog, but it's on a blog. <laughs> so I'm like, well, what the hell is this? And it is a podcast. But yeah,
1: I like it. I'm welcoming you into my world, the podcast world. This is a beautiful thing, Johnny.
0: So this is, and this is going to be a weekly podcast. Sometimes if stuff happens, maybe during the season we'll have two or so a week, but Uh, We were planning on doing it today, which is Monday. We're, We're taping it, and it just so happened that yesterday we found out they were going to be officially naming the manager today, which they did, and it's one Gabe Kapler, the Phillies' 54th manager in franchise history. James, Gabe
1: Kapler. Uh, not Gabe Kaplan. I, that, well, I was Gabe just Kapler. about to go there. My he's buddy, a member of the tribe, but, but not that particular <laughs> and, member. And you know I love members of the tribe. Um, I, I, we're going to get so many Gabe Kaplan's; it's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be the new Alshon Jeffries or Christian McCafferty or whatever it is. All right,
0: what do you think of that Gabe Kaplan I mean, camera
1: did it on the air today with Gabe Kaplan. Really? I'm like, that's a TV guy. <laughs> Wrong that's one. Mr. <laughs> that's Mr. Kattea. That's Mr. Kattea. Yeah, man. I'm, look, uh, the fact that he's a member of the tribe is obviously a, a beautiful thing. It's plus, speaking of beautiful... Beautiful. He himself is beautiful. Like what a gorgeous human being well, they brought in to be the manager.
0: Certainly the best-looking manager in franchise history. Yes. You know, Maybe you're, you're, baseball history, John. I'll give you baseball history. <laughs> I don't know who would be second.
1: I mean, geez.
0: Certainly not. Certainly not some of the Phillies managers. But that goes without <laughs> say. He was nicknamed the Body by Bob Ryan of the uh, of the Globe up in Boston, and he's also been called the Hebrew Hammer. And like, we'll just get to it right away. Even before we talk about what type of a manager he is, <laughs> it's and, more important. And, and talk about well, actually, let's talk about that. Then we'll get into because there's like there's pictures online of him in a leopard thong. Oh yeah, and he's uh, he's constantly shirtless because he's in <laughs> such good shape. But let me give you a little Wouldn't background. you would be here. though,
1: John, if you were in that good shape? Right, I mean. It's hard to judge. I, I would I'm never have my nine. shirt on if I
0: was in that kind of exactly, shape. Exactly, man. Yeah, but we're both too hairy. <laughs> That's and very true. Um, but yeah, like if I had that body, I'd be naked all the time. <laughs> I'd be taking naked pictures of, of myself, sending them everywhere. <laughs> but anyway, so so here's his background, right? So like when they were going through all the candidates, and they're like, "All right, well, do we want this guy?" And Dusty Watham was a young guy who was uh, in the Phillies organization and really had you know managed it at each level and a lot of people thought was ready for the next step. I think the Phillies really liked him, too, and were strongly considering them. You had managers that had experience. You had some bench coaches. Gabe Kapler doesn't have a whole lot of managing experience. Last three years with the Dodgers, James, director of player development. So, in other words, he was in charge of the minor league system of the Dodgers, which, by the way, was a pretty good minor <laughs> league system since he got there. But, really, his experience is 12 seasons as a player. And he did, He it's weird, he retired in 2007, mm-hmm. he managed its, their single-A affiliate of the <laughs> Red Sox, and then he went back and started playing again in 2008. It's the only managing experience he had. Now, he was a coach of the Isra- Israeli uh, World Baseball Classic qualifier team mm-hmm. later on, but that's it. That's all, the, that's all the managerial experience he has.
1: Yeah, no, and I'm sure we're going to certainly hear a lot about that uh, moving forward. Here's my thing. Uh, first of all, you said it, 12 years you know, parts of twelve years as a player in the major leagues. You know that in and of itself is a lot of experience. Obviously, with major is league baseball. I, well, here's the thing: I do think the fact that he's a player development guy matters, right? I mean, we're talking about a team that is basically going to be player development at the major league level. You want all these guys to grow and develop. That's the key to the future. So, I think from that perspective, you like that he's 42 years old. So he's kind of third youngest, third, yeah, majors. a young, a younger manager. Yeah. You know, actually younger than Dusty Walton. Even Walton is 44 years old. So, I think that Kapler kind of can connect uh, to those younger players, which is important. Played in the major leagues recently enough that you know has a good feel for where the game is and whatnot. Um, and, and look, I think the fact that it's it, you can't really take away the fact that he worked in that Tampa Bay front office. He's worked for Andrew Friedman in this Dodgers front office. Like he's been around some of the best minds in the sport for the last few years, that's a good and, point. and that's something that you can't take away. Look, I get it. Look, I would have loved to have someone with his. Background on that side, the player development stuff, the analytical stuff, all that type of uh, of, of things, but and also have a little more managerial experience—that'd be perfect. There just aren't too many guys like Joe Madden uh, out there, so I do think that as far as it goes of the guys, for me at least, who were kind of rumored to be around the job. Kapler was personally my favorite choice because I want someone who's going to think outside the box, someone who's going to look toward... Look, I saw I think I saw Jack Fritz tweet about it, but it's like the two most analytically inclined organizations in the sport are playing in one of the best World
0: Series we've ever seen right now.
1: There's a reason both of those teams are there. Andrew Freeman and the Dodgers. Is our cap
0: is a copycat business, sport.
1: Sure, absolutely, but also we've seen whether it's Theo Epstein or right now with Jeff Leno and Andrew Freeman, I mean, over and over and over again, we've seen where the sport is heading to. I mean, it is heading to that type of you know, philosophical approach. And I think that Gabe Kapler is a, a real nice extension of that front office onto the field, or at least it could be.
0: Let me play devil's advocate. Why not go out and get a guy like a Joe Girardi? Uh, we talked about uh, Buck Showalter, who's still under contract and who knew if that was even going to be a possibility. Why not go out and get a guy that, that has experience that maybe is a little bit older or not, but you know what I'm saying. Like, why not get out and, get, go, and go out and get a guy that has experience? Why not get a Girardi?
1: Yeah, well, Girardi specifically is, a, is an interesting example, just because I think that's the name you're going to hear a lot of fans say. I mean, even today when I was answering calls, I had people call me like, "Why not Girardi?" He was out there. We don't know if Girardi wants to manage right now. I mean, it was kind of a unceremonious. You know, he went to Game Seven of the ALCS and and lost his job. So, I, it seems everything you hear that he's going to take a year off. Either way, I think Girardi, also analytically inclined, I think from that perspective, might have made a lot of sense for this front office. Open-minded but, with the analytics. Yeah, so. very, very much so. So um, I, I certainly think that would have made a lot of sense. My guess is that is that Girardi... Didn't want to manage this year, which is you know either way. I think they probably approached him. I mean, it seems like they did their due diligence. It's not like they just said, our right, Gabe Kapler's our guy." We're hiring him. They interviewed a bunch of guys. They talked to a lot of different people. It seems like the people they were looking at were a bunch of different types of people. It as well. seemed
0: like that they they were interested in. Let me put put a theory out there. It seemed like that they were interested in getting a younger guy in here that uh, didn't have a lot of experience. If you bring in Joe Girardi. And you're gonna and you say, all right, listen, Joe. We know you want to take a year off, or maybe you have some other offers. We want you in here. You're gonna have to pay him, and I'm, I'm not worried about that with John Middleton. But you're also going to have to like give him control. You're gonna have to give him some control, absolutely. And he's going to be right now. The the front office can more or less because I I feel like the manager in baseball has been marginalized like never before to where front offices think. That they can control and they can push buttons and a lot of other stuff from upstairs to where the managers more or less just kind of kind of like a, uh, like, a like 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 a, a figurehead almost uh, yeah yeah like a, he's like a puppet instance, which, well almost. like for instance with Charlie Manuel Charlie Manuel was never known as a great tactician the one great thing he did was that people like com- that his players love coming to work. Yeah. And he had a clubhouse that was that was perfect for for those yeah, particular guys. Like the
1: Joe type of thing.
0: He got the most out of those guys, but he he also wasn't a tactician, and that worked for these players. Uh, doesn't it seem like Kapler's kind of the same? Not that he I, we don't know if, if like he played baseball for twelve years, so I know he knows baseball. I have no idea if he's going to be a great tactical guy or what. The most important thing for me is, can he guide these young players into being? all-stars, kind of like what Charlie Manuel helped do with a lot of the Phillies. That's his biggest job. Yeah,
1: and I think whether it's through analytics or, or different approaches or whatever, that is the most important thing he has to do. He has to take Reese Hoskins and get him to that next stage of development. He has to take J.P. Crawford, turn him into a starting shortstop in the major leagues, and all that type of stuff. That's a number one, top of the list, most important thing he could do. Get no to question. Mikel
0: Franco and yes. be like, yo, dude, or, what type are type you stuff. doing? Yes. Why are you swinging out of your cleats on every swing? Yes,
1: and and and, and develop these kids it's all about development 100 yep. but i do think that i think his approach is going to be a little kind of outside the box i think he's going to look at analytics in every situation and say what does the analytics tell me to do and i, I don't think he's always going to follow that 100 percent of the time but i think that it's going to weigh heavily in his decisions and i, I think that there are going to be a lot of times where people are going to get a little little testy with him when it doesn't work out the thing that i like is that it it seems like he is the type of guy from everything you read, everything you look at him, that he is not going to let that. He's not going to say, All right, well, everyone got mad I did this. I'm not going to do it that way again. He's going to say, Screw no. that. Like, I'm going to do it this way, and it will work more often than it won't. And I think you need someone like that. So I feel positive about it in that perspective. I think your point, though, is I don't know what type of, of leader of men he is. I don't know what type of guy he is to be able to take, you know, 25 different personalities and Find a common ground for all of them. That's going to be the key with capital. Well,
0: let's think about a two thousand and, uh, and God, eighteen. Just to say two thousand eighteen. Think about it. So, what are the big question marks with the Phillies going forward? We know Reese Hoskins is is going to be. We don't know how good of a player he's going to be, but we we're assuming he's going to be an all star level type player. Yeah, I like feel the, good about him. Very least, he's going to be an above average starter. Let's see what he does in in year two.
1: Yeah, I think that's his floor.
0: Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, then you have some young players that may or may not be coming up in 2018. Then you have Odubel Herrera, who has all the talent in the world, but is a knucklehead more times than not when he's playing, but he's incredibly streaky, he's incredibly talented. And, and we mentioned Franco. What can he get out of those guys? Like, How will he handle the same situations that McCannon handled with Odubel? How does Kapler handle that, right? Like, former player, a lot younger. How does he handle O'Double Herrera as opposed to what McCannon did?
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, that's going to be one of the the most interesting things to see through this first season that we have Kapler here, is is those because ty- Because McCannon, we've talked about it, you know, a fair amount both on our first show and also just between the two of us. Right. McCannon did not handle those situations well, at least in my opinion. I think more often than not, You know he did not handle the Odell situation well. I think that Kapler, if nothing else, I think he's going to again when it calls for it. I think he's going to approach these guys with a very analytically based mind because that just seems to be the way he you know kind of goes about his business. So try and be logical with these guys. That's not always going to work. You know, a lot of times it's it is an emotional type of thing, and that's going to be the question about Kapler. We don't know. I don't know enough about Gabe Kapler to know how he can relate to players on an emotional level, on a you know uh, human level. I mean, because ultimately nobody knows, nobody knows. And that's what I always talk about. And I feel like we we as a, a general media, whatever it is, kind of forget a lot of times that all of these guys are human beings and that they are just trying to, you know, they have issues. They have all kinds of things that they have to deal with. And different people react to different things in different ways. For one guy, you might need to yell at him to get him to going. And another guy, you might need to tell him you love him. I mean, it's a different, each person is different. So I think it's going to be fascinating to see how you can kind of maneuver these personalities
0: yeah. i mean that's the key well look what McCann did with franco his whole thing was well my door is always open even, exactly if he wants to come in and talk to me to where it's like pete that's not like you obviously need to handle kid. him you've been in baseball your whole life
1: pete like you, come on like, man
0: like that's where you bring him in the office and say hey listen like don't even talk about baseball for five minutes talk yeah. about something else bring it like go have a burger with him or something <laughs> yes, like that you exactly. know what i mean like but his whole thing was hey if he wants to talk if he wants to talk my office door is open that old school mentality i'm not a big fan of i mean I mean, like you said, every player is different. Every player needs to be handled differently. So it'll be really interesting to see what Kapler does.
1: And for what it's worth, I think when you look at and and I think some of it's kind of weird and nutty when you look at his health stuff and the the nutritional stuff and kind of all like but if you go back and read some of the stuff he wrote for baseball prospectus, he talks about stuff like how he thinks writing strengthens the strengthens the mind. Like he seems like someone who is a very philosophical person, someone who thinks about life in a very interesting way. Yes. So I do think that that is like uh, I think that's kind of what you need in this situation, coming off a guy like McCannon, who is so old school, a lifer, by the book. I mean, you're getting someone who's coming in who, who's going to attack all of these types of issues from a completely different perspective, so yep. I, I think there is there is upside there.
0: I'm a big believer in keeping it simple, stupid, mm-hmm. and like, he, like you said, he thinks very outside the box and this and that, but he... Always has been a strong believer in nutrition and exercise, and actually brought that to the Dodgers. Yep. He got junk food thrown out of all of the clubhouses and all of their all of their affiliates, even the minor leagues, and they started using organic food and everything else. I hope we're not doing smoothies like Chip Kelly. Hey, you know, what? but You're,
1: but some of that stuff makes sense. That's the thing is, yes. I I get it. Look, Chip you know, is a, is a uh, four letter word. Is chip. Literally, in yeah. four, it's a four yeah. letter word. But at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, he's were, Richard. Yes. Yeah. He's a he's Richard. Richard. Yeah. yeah. There are certain things there uh, <laughs> that were, that were innovative and like sports science, like, w- Hey chip, like chip, whatever. Like, that stuff makes sense. Like I get right. why you would want to Duh. employ that type of stuff, and it seems like Kepler does for at least a lot of that type of stuff. Also right. think that way.
0: But hey, listen, let them have fast food a couple times a month. Like <laughs> I yeah. keep the guys happy there. Again, they're still human Same beings. Shelter. Let
1: them enjoy life a little All bit. Right, here. Before
0: we get into the leopard thong and whatever else is going on, <laughs> what does the staff look like? We know Larry Bow was kind of in limbo. It seems like, and I haven't read anything today about his staff, so maybe you can you can fill me oh, in. Oh man! But um, but I he saw
1: one name. That's he, it. <laughs> he was kind
0: of in limbo as far as because they didn't know exactly who they were going to be hiring, and he would have a job in the organization. I think it actually makes sense to have Larry or a guy like that because they've been around, they know the franchise, they know the players. They strategically are very good at it, so uh, any thoughts to that? What's the name you heard?
1: I Well, the, I'll get to the name I heard in a sec, because... Whoa, we'll see about that. Uh, but I do think uh, keeping Larry around makes a ton of sense. Not just because he knows the players, he knows the clubhouse, he knows the Philadelphia Phillies, he knows the organization, and he also knows this city. And I think that that is an invaluable resource Agreed. for someone like Kapler, clearly a West Coast guy. You know, kind of a little, uh, maybe t- approach his life a little bit differently. He can than help we do out here. in a
0: lot of ways. Agreed. That just aren't baseball. He's a,
1: a wealth yeah. of information for someone like Kapler, and I feel like you know th- this organization is all about information, and I feel like. I feel like there's a place for Larry Bow in this clubhouse. Well, I also think Dusty Walthin is has a place in this clubhouse. Look, he's under contract for next season. Of course, they could go off and manage him in AAA, but they could bring him up. And whether it's a first bench base coach or coach. first or third base, something like that, I think there is the potential for that as well. I haven't heard many names otherwise, but there was one name that was out there today that I don't think will happen. But um, if you take the him as a person out of it, the qualifications are certainly there. O.J. Simpson? Kurt Schilling wants to be Gabe Kapler's pitching coach.
0: Ah, uh, Interesting. I, I, I mean,
1: I personally
0: hate it, shilling it so much as a human happen. being
1: that I can't do – like, I wouldn't want to root for a team that has that guy employed. But at the same time, I mean, I bet he'd be a good pitching coach.
0: Well, here's the bottom line. He When he – actually, when you talk about analytics and things like that, I remember – so Johnny – he always credits – Kurt credits Johnny Padres, the, the Phillies pitching coach sure. from – uh, Jim Fergusi, early 90s days, and teaching him the split finger fastball, which really kind of changed his career. And that was, you don't see a lot of guys throwing splitters anymore no. like they used to because it, I think it was destroying elbows. But, like, Kurt really is a thinking man's pitcher. L- listen, Pitching wise, Kurt Schilling to me is a Hall of Famer. I mean, oh, I think he's, so too. he's a big, a big game pitcher. Yep. If you're talking one of the about, best, a, a, yeah, you're talking about a guy that you want to mount for Game yeah. Seven of the World Series, I'll take him. And, and if it's I like mention him, five Smoltz, names, Smoltz,
1: Beckett, it's like he's one of those five names you would mention yep.
0: for sure. He's a great as far as a pitching coach. See, he sticks his he sticks his foot too. That's the too, problem. In mouth too much, and and it's a position like he that. Can't help himself. It's
1: not worth it. It's not worth the the. the ultimate downside. You don't want a
0: guy that's going to get himself in trouble for non-pitching things. And then
1: even just from a baseball perspective... You've got Kapler, who, again, we talked about as a first-time manager, a guy who's never, you know, who's all his experiences on the other side, the front office side and whatnot development. Right. Like, I think, and we kind of talked about it a lot with Doug Peterson, kind of an interesting parallel there um, with the fact that he did surround himself with a lot of guys who had had been head coaches before, had been, you know, coaches in the league for a long time, former players. I think that would be a smart route for Kapler to take. I think Kapler should be looking for someone who has proven, look, again, I'm very happy. They went for someone who might not necessarily be a proven guy, but is an outside-the-box interesting choice. But I think when it comes to filling out his staff, as we talked about with Boa, I think you got to find someone who's got some experience.
0: Yep. No, I agree. And so we'll find out if if Kapler will be kind of the manager before they hire the manager that hopefully takes the team to the World Series, or he's going to be the young guy that comes yep. in and builds the team and, and, and rides with them. It's because, exactly right. Like it was. Remember, it was Terry Francona. He didn't have enough talent to do anything. Larry Boa came in and really kind of whipped that same roster into shape. Mm-hmm. And Although was he, like
1: the contrast from from Frank. It was
0: like Francona, like laid back, chill too guy, laid back. Yep. And he did have Jimmy Rollins in his rookie year, as Larry Boa did. And then when Larry became too much, Charlie Manuel came in and was the perfect contrast yep. to Larry Boa. So and Kapler's not like a laid back guy. Kapler's a very. Um, I just think he's kind of. I don't know if I want to say Bill Parcells, but like any player that you over here that played for Bill Parcells loves him because he tells you like it is. He doesn't sugarcoat. He's not a phony. No, yeah. He just is. He's honest and and, pl- and players appreciate that like me personally. I appreciate bosses and coworkers or whoever that they're not phonies. They're not telling me what I want to hear. Like I want to know the truth yep. so we can do it. It seems like Kapler's that guy.
1: Yeah. No and it does. It's interesting because it does seem like he has a laid back personality but I think you're absolutely right. He seems very straightforward very direct when it comes to things like that and I think that's crucial in this it. type of role. I mean and like You talk about any boss. Like, I'm not going to get better at what I do unless I have a boss who's going to say, hey, you suck at this, or hey, you need to fix this, or hey, you're good at this, but you could be better if you did this, this, and this. You know, you need that. You need someone who's not going to, and I feel like we saw it with Pete. At times, you know, kind of relating to the same thing where it's, you, know, you almost just didn't want to like have that confrontation at times or whatever. Very same thing old with Pat old. You know, with that whole Nishik thing where he's like, oh, uh, you know, we said he couldn't pitch anymore. And Nishik was like, I didn't say that. Like, I would have gone back in. Like, that type of stuff. Like, I think you avoid that when you have more direct, there's no beating around the bush. It's, it's, this is how it is.
0: All right. So, if, if you are listening to this, you've probably seen these pictures. That means you're a big baseball <laughs> fan. <laughs> but we talked about him being the best looking managers, not in just franchise history, maybe in major league. Baseball history, yeah, man. But so, like, I I, Googled, I don't know even you know how I saw it, but I was like googling. I was trying to last night when I saw that he was going to be the guy. So I'm obviously looking for for news stories and for information. The one thing I found on Deadspin was that he advocated. Tanning in the nude and getting the testicles (laughs) sun because it gives it it boosts testosterone according to some study that's seventy years old. So he endorsed and if you look at him, he looks like like super tan. I think it's fake tan, but he's like he's (laughs) he's getting he's getting the boys golden brown in hopes of getting juiced up even more, Um, (laughs) literally
1: and figuratively,
0: literally and figuratively. (laughs) But I mean, James, I I just gotta say this: like, if I'm the Phillies and I'm like being like, all right, I think we're gonna hire this guy. Do they know these pictures? I mean, these pictures, he's out there. He's literally in like a, a thong. He doesn't have shirts on in almost any pictures. I mean, there's, it's weird. It's kind of like creepy weird, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: super creepy. I Look, I they definitely know those pictures are out there. It's not like that. Are you sure? Yeah, I feel pretty confident about that part about of the it. analytics of Matt yeah, Klintak? I, yeah, I'm sure, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I I think this seems like the, an organization that, that does it. that. Puts all their kind of ducks in a row, and and at least uh, you know so. puts a lot of effort into finding out the little things. I, I at least it seems that way. Regardless, I don't think as much as they're a little weird and they're a little creepy. I think it would be an absolute asinine reason not to bring someone as a manager. So just Google image Gabe Kapler
0: thong, <laughs> and the first picture that comes up is. And who knows?
1: You know what, though. Good for him. He's freaking open with himself. He has no problems saying you know all the time. You know he's I mean, a
0: monster. By the way, there are a way, lot too. of people
1: who are very who closed is, off, well, but, but,
0: and he's who, a very open guy. I can't. Good for him. I can't remember a manager that's this jacked before. I'm like, I'm like, literally, think about it, dude. I can't. I like, I
1: don't know if there's another like non Even close bodybuilder like, like, who this else Jack, would be a
0: ripped man. Oh, he, he is. He's like, but a, he's a bodybuilder. Like, you think about it. When Mike Schmidt played. They didn't lift weights because they were told that it would it would hurt their swing. Yep. So nobody lifted weights. So like Mike Schmidt would hit 37 home runs mm-hmm. and he'd be the big home run hitter because he, he the guys were. And then all of a sudden with steroids or with weightlifting, like the A's of the late the oh, late 80s, yeah, the Bash Brothers, the Bash Brothers, like you get these big muscle guys yeah, like and Mark it's McGuire like, is like, Whoa. so you get bigger and when you hit the ball it goes farther and you hit more home runs and everybody started lifting weights yep. right. But baseball was never a big weightlifting. This guy well, is freaking jacked up, man. Well, and it's
1: funny because you know he wasn't really—he's not power hitter. He's not that type of player. You wouldn't expect him if you look at him. You wouldn't expect him because he's also like—he's—it's fit. It doesn't look like you know. You see a lot of like muscle builders or that type of stuff. It's like disproportionate the muscles to the body. I mean, it all works as John showed you. a like at least it looks like natural. I, not natural. naturals the wrong word. Like, it, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I. <laughs> I don't know if i co-sign yeah. that. No, uh, no, uh, no. Uh, I, look, regardless, I think— um, He looks like a professional wrestler. He looks like a— He just looks like a— like
0: Because a, he's a good-looking dude. He's got, like, a shaved head. He, he has, like, facial hair and some of the things. I mean, he's just— I, I can't—I mean, Charlie Manuel is who you're thinking about as I know. the manager. It's like and polar you got opposites. Dude. I
1: know. I know, man. Look at him. It's like he's like a model. He's like the best-looking model. It's ridiculous. So
0: just to review, we think he's hot. (laughs) He's the he's the hottest manager in the history of of baseball. I just I don't know. I just if it's gonna be fascinating. It's weird. It's weird. Well it's also
1: gonna be a thing where all like the, you know, ladies in the area all of a sudden it's like it's weird when it's like, oh, you remember the ladies were in love with Chase or Jason Worth or this or that or whatever? It's like, no, now they're all in love with the freaking manager.
0: That's weird. The forty-two-year-old manager who's who's got a he's not even a six-pack, he's got a twelve-pack. I mean, look, look at, at that. that! No,
1: it's really like look. my I don't. I have a one-pack, which is you know <laughs> yeah, my keg here. Uh, like I got I, the
0: Labanza. I, I kind
1: got. of barely believe that a six-pack is a real thing. Like I don't truly believe. I had a six-pack before. Yeah, No, not this guy. Two thousand and three. Like, that is that is not real. That looks like one of those like Halloween costumes you would put on your chest. I mean that is insane.
0: All right, so so our new manager's hot. There you go. So that's the, the, the first segment here. Command's a
1: room, man. You he walk does. in, everyone looks at him like, whoa, who's that guy? He's gorgeous. Big dude, too. He's not <laughs>
0: yeah. just whatever. Yeah. Big dude. He's,
1: he's, look, he's an imposing figure in that way, and I think that that is – I think that's only a good thing. It's one of those things where, like, when you look at the, the history of, uh, of America, it's like uh, – I think, like, what, like – Almost every president is like a certain height. They're like six three or more. Or yeah, whatever. You don't have short dudes it's like right, maybe. You know, president. I, like so. I think there's something to that, as, as weird or off base as it might be. No
0: doubt about it. All right, so let's um let let's turn our attention to this right here. So Baseball America puts out their, and I'm going to weave in Freddie Galvis being a Gold Glove finalist again here. Baseball America puts out their top ten prospects today, and JP Crawford went from being one of the top prospects in baseball for like 92nd or something <laughs> like that. So I don't know where he is in the top 100, but so they put out just the Phillies top 10 prospects today. Well,
1: Crawford might have played enough games where he wouldn't be considered technically a prospect anymore. He I'm is. not 100%. Is he still t- in, in he this is? Okay, okay in I wasn't this particular
0: sure. case. Yeah, because they they have um, they have Alfaro on this list too, okay. so it's kind of it's kind of in that because Alfaro. I guess they have to play a certain amount of at-bats. It's a certain it number of at bats
1: or plate appearances or whatever it is. Yeah.
0: Um, to qualify, they can't exceed 130 big league at bats, 50 innings, or 30 relief appearances. So there we go. So that, so there you go. F- 50 innings as, as a uh, as a pitcher. So that's why Hoskins, Nick Williams, Nap, P- and Pavetta and Lively aren't eligible for it. So J.P. Crawford's back at number one. Yeah. And he should be. And yeah, he should. And while I understand why he would have been moved off of it because he struggled, it's even more it's even more impressive to me that he struggled as bad as he did, he turned it around He showed some power. He came up to the bigs. He showed great plate discipline. He showed great on-base percentage. He played third base and second base at the same gold glove level Mm -hmm. that you saw him play shortstop. And by the way, for all the people out there, for all the people that I know that I see out at the Phillies games who were telling me he's not a good enough defensive shortstop to play every day in the big leagues – uh i don't know about that but yeah so he's back at being number one james
1: yeah well and i though all those people were driving me crazy because i was like he could play shortstop the major league level at a really high level um and it was i was really excited to see him come up and show that approach really because that was the thing that always set him apart as a as a hitter and a prospect at that position you were hoped that the power would develop you never expect him to be a 2025 no. home run type guy but he was always a walk as much as he hit as he as he strikes out guy. And those are the guys where it's like that type of plate discipline, that type of back control, that type of ability to put the ball in play when you need to. I mean, that's rare, especially for a shortstop, especially at the ages. And that's that age, the thing. Yeah. The other thing, that's the thing. It's like we always, and I, I think I said this last time too, but it's it just it's like you can't look at a player's minor league stats and get the full picture. You have to look at his age and the level and all that stuff. are like gonna
0: make like that's what a lot of people said to me this year. Look at all this. Look at all the errors that he made at, at AAA and. I I said, you know how many errors Freddie Galvis made when he was in the minors? <laughs> yes. No. Okay. I'm like because it's it's actually like I, I don't remember if it's more or not, but it's all like it's you're supposed to make mistakes. It, that's why you get the reps. You're supposed to make mistakes when you're a young player.
1: Absolutely, and you're also depending on the level of your third baseman, your second baseman. You're trying to do more. You're make trying to make plays that you can't make. You get errors on different things. I mean, that's all. Like it's all, and also you can't just look at errors specifically to judge a player's. You know defensive abilities. There are so many, and it's confusing. Well, that's a lot what Freddie of the, Galvis' truth is. Yeah, want to I do. know exactly. But there, like, there's so many metrics now: defensive runs saved UZR. ER. There are so many different things, and not, I don't profess to to you know be an expert name them. And it seems like they're all what's kind his of war, not that's, that's quite, what there. I yeah, thing, right. Yeah. But I do think that there are a lot better ways than saying how many errors did he. Have? I agree. Yeah, yeah
0: I, I agree. So I'll, be, before we, I, I finish off the list, and we'll talk about some of these guys here. What do you do about about Freddie Galvis? Like, what is the What's the strategy? Because, like, we know that this is, is is an analytically inclined front office. They had 13 full-time analytics on their staff. They said they were adding to it, which I'm like, how many guys? <laughs> like, where's all the office space here, James Seltzer? I mean, you got to be kidding me. But, like, if that's the case and – I know that we're on this. I know that we we both agree. I like Freddie Galvis a lot, and if they start 2018 with Freddie Galvis as the sharding sharding shortstop of this team, and JP becomes kind of like the super sub until he becomes the full time shortstop, that's fine. But I have to believe that Matt Clentak and his staff they know that JP Crawford is the is the shortstop of the future and of the present. It's just more or less trying to figure out what to do with Galvis. So what do you do with Galvis? He's one of the three finalists for the gold glove, not taking anything away from him because he is a good player and had a good year. But what's the strategy? What would you do when yeah, you think they it's do? It's a
1: great question. And and the Gold Glove... Look, Freddie's a really good defensive shortstop. If he wins the Gold Glove, can we not say he's a Gold Glove winning shortstop? Uh, Rafael Palmeiro won the Gold Glove when he played Flavio like Breu. 20 games at first base. He was a DH and he won the freaking Gold Glove. It's a sham of an award. But again, I, I do think, look, Freddie has value. He is a, a really, really good defensive shortstop. He's got a, t- a little bit of pop at his yeah, bat. He's, got like, some power. You know, he's never going to walk a lot. He's never going to. To get on base a lot. That's just the player he is. He showed some improvement, you know, over the yeah, past couple yeah. years compared to where he was. But I do think that Freddie is at least an asset of sorts. He doesn't cost a lot of money. He could play great, short, great defensive shortstop. He could play other positions in the infield if needed. I think there should be some level of value to Freddie. I think what you're trying to do is you're trying to find someone to take him. You know, you're trying to find a trade partner of any kind. You're trying to
0: find some type of value, whether Absolutely. it's a major league player like a bullpen piece. Yeah,
1: or even if it's, if it's, uh, you know, slot. Money like we talked about, or or you know the international money, no, just because he something. he should
0: have some value. Like a lot people talk about, like oh, well, t- trade Tommy Joseph. Freddie Galvis has real value because he plays good defense and he can bat. Like if, if you're a if you're a contending team and all you need is a guy that kind of come in. And he can bat two forty if he has fifteen home yeah. runs and plays great defense. Even if he's a defensive he's sub late
1: in games, he's super valuable to that type of team. He has value. He's a major league baseball player. I don't know if Tommy Joseph is. That's a whole different uh, ball. Well, of he wax. Ju-
0: he's just a he kinda di- you know, dime a dozen yeah, with being exactly. a first base like, slash D H guy. He's
1: nothing special. I mean, he's not like not even just nothing special. I keep he's, him. Yeah, I mean, he's fine. Like, he, it, he's a battle off the him bench. Out there against lefties, like, that's not the worst. You put put guy Reese I could have. in left field. But he doesn't have any real value. There's nothing you can get for him. I think you can get something for Freddie. I also think that if you can't trade him during the offseason, I think you can do something where you know you could see him as that super trade utility deadline. guy and, and keep him until the deadline where you've got him playing. And look, I don't know for sure that Mike Franco is going to be the starting third baseman next season. Good point. Like, why? Like, he, he stinks. Like, he has shown zero improvement.
0: They still think down there, and, and from look, what and I, I hear he's going to turn it around. Because,
1: look, the tools are there. The upside is there. I totally get it. But, uh, you know, I don't – at this point, and Michael Franco is going to have to do it before I'm ever going to believe he's going to do it. Oh, I agree. And as a result, if you, you know, depending on going into spring training, all that, I think Cesar could play third. I think Freddie could play second if need be. I think Freddie could play third. Obviously, JP could play third. I think there are a lot of incantations of how this, you know, infield situation can work out. But I think ultimately – if and when they find a, a good trade partner for Freddie Galvis,
0: he's gone. All right, let's move on this list, and we'll talk about some. Uh, we'll talk about Kingery, we'll, and we'll. You know, what, what are you going to do with Kingery? I mean, well, that
1: was kind of what I was talking about moving Cesar <laughs> yeah. to third eventually, like because when
0: what, are out of here, as far as I'm concerned, would
1: say, and I like, an, him. and he's another guy. you I get like something him. for he's an asset. Like he it's gets on player. base, he's a good player. So look, it's a good problem to have with these guys. It
0: saying. is a good problem to have. All right, so number two, Sixto Sanchez, the the right handed. Uh, starting pitcher who spent most of the year at Lakewood, went to Clearwater High A at the end of the season. Didn't have the same success. Um, it, it, still, I mean, you're talking about a, a kid who's who's yeah. 18, 19 years old and throwing 100 miles an hour on a consistent basis. Doesn't have doesn't have command of all of his pitches. Right. You know, and, and a lot of those runs that he gave up, like he didn't get shelled. No, but he gave up some base runners and some runs, and he was facing competition that you know certainly is a lot older than he is. So, but he's still a very highly regarded. Uh, pitching prospect, their top oh, pitching prospect. Oh
1: yeah, and, and and should be. And I think the the key to the the you know hundred mile per hour heat is the the ease with which he delivers it. You know, it's he's Pedro.
0: He's Pedro. Yeah, size. it
1: just feels so natural and easy. It's like Effortless. almost like he's got a rubber arm or something. It's really impressive to watch. But at the same time, he's an eighteen, you know, soon to be nineteen. So year many old. things can happen. Exactly. I've seen so many of these guys who a are the shoulder next injury great turns that pro-
0: fastball into ninety five.
1: Rotation. They got to the one World Series there. But like, you know, how now they're all damaged. Yeah, goods. Harvey, Syndergaard, Degrom, who was the one who wasn't the top prospect of that group. You know, they had Wheeler, Syndergaard, and Harvey. Everyone's like, "Oh my goodness, the next Pulsifer, Isringhausen!" And uh, oh my God, it was the third of that crew. Uh, that did Paul Wilson. That Paul didn't Wilson. work out either. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think you know, it's you have to be really. I, I, he is a great, great prospect and exciting, but I, I'm always very until they kind of progress further along. I, I, I worry.
0: Scott Kingery, number three for. For people out there listening to this that said, like, oh, well, King- Kingery's third? Like, wow, he's a better player than J.P. Crawford. here's G- Scott Kingery's going to be a very good major league mm-hmm. player. But the power that he showed last year, don't expect that same kind of, out of power nowhere, man. to translate. He's more of a 15 to maybe 20 home run guy, but he's going to be higher average like close to 300 he's going to be high on base percent well actually he didn't walk a lot Not a, none, last yeah. year
1: doesn't have that approach in the same way
0: but when he gets on base he's going to steal bases he's going to create havoc he's very good defensively at second base he's one of those guys that that you want at the top of your lineup and he's just going to he's going to invigorate your lineup he's going to get on base and he's going to kind of start it
1: yeah, I think he's one of those players who's actually, kind of underrated and always been underrated by these prospect systems. Uh, you know, a very different type of player. But Paul Goldschmidt was a guy who was never on any prospects list. Never like oh, the kinda, best players in baseball now. Exactly because he just produced. He just produced at every level. People were like, hey, he's not that good." You know, well that's Hoskins before this year. Fifty shifter. homers every exactly. Hoskins up through the same thing. Perfect comp to Goldschmidt. That's exactly right. Those types of guys where you know the prospect guys like, "Ah, they're not that good." Ah, they're not that good. But every year they Keep put producing. up numbers. Yeah. I think Kingry's that type of guy. I think he's a really good player. The difference between him and Crawford is just the ceiling is higher with Crawford. First, first of all, he plays a tougher position. Shortstop a- a, is it's a just premium. More, position. It's a more important position. Yeah. It, it is. There's no question about it. But he's also he's got a higher ceiling. I mean, Crawford's a better athlete. He's got a much better approach to the plate. You know, he's still progressed at a younger age further than Kingry has. So I agree. Th- yeah, because Kingry's twenty-five. Twenty-five. I want to say twenty-four, twenty-five, right in there. So he you know, was a he, college player, yeah, and Crawford JP was out is of high younger school. Younger than him, so yeah. I think we have to remember that Crawford certainly has. Now understand. the big
0: question with Kingery is how do you handle that? He's not going to come up until. I forget the day in May, but it's towards well, the end of yeah, May. yeah,
1: we don't know the exact day because it's a Super 2 day. So it's whenever that happens where you get that extra year of arbitration controlling control
0: on him, you'll probably see They'll him bring up. him up when they're able to control him for another year, and then he'll be up kind of like the Cubs did with Chris Bryant, and they'll make up some fugazi reason of why they're course. sending him down. Yeah, well, that, that's what
1: happens when he they comes out and hits like 800 in spring trading, and they're like, oh, uh, yeah. Needs <laughs> to work on his needs defense. Needs a little more seasoning. Not quite ready yet. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> All right, so we'll, we'll roll through right here. Adonis Medina mm-hmm. in his, is a Venezuelan right-handed starter who I've talked to some people that think he's better be than 6-0. a better picture yeah. pitcher than Sixto because he's got better command of four pitches to where Sixto's kind of maybe a reliever, maybe a closer because he's got fastball slider and doesn't have great command of his pitches to where Medina... And I have the minor league app on my phone, so I watch a lot of these games. I'll tell you, this: he can throw multiple pitches for strikes, and he's got really good stuff.
1: Yeah, I like Medina a ton. He's a really, really interesting young prospect. And like you said, he's got such command at his age and and his level to, you just feel like he's in total command when he's out there on the hill. I think it's really, look it's exciting to have these young arms cuz it has been so long with this Philly system obviously Nola drafted progresses quickly in the minors but other than that i mean you know since Cole Hamels we really haven't developed any great you know young arms right. where they're coming up and we're like wow it's always been these hitting prospects and you know even then at times not enough of those but um it's really it's really exciting to see these cuz they have a few of these guys at the low levels of the minors who have some real upside but again for me it's i really like watching Medina pitch but until these guys start to progress further and get a little older I'm just I,
0: I'm always hesitant to buy it so many different things could happen all right number five and you'll notice there's a, a notable name that's not on this list that had been on, on high on the list last year and even earlier this year and I had even I'm not keeping score at home or pat myself in the back but I was even saying like oh this guy's no longer a top five uh, a top five uh, prospect in the Phillies organization so he he's down further on the list Adam Hazley. Their number one pick from this year is fifth on the list, and outfield can play multiple positions. He cooled down after a really hot start. He was he, he, he was played, murdering the ball, murdering first the ball. up Yeah, and then he played the so how it works with with the, with single A ball is they have they have um, rookie ball and then they have Lakewood South Atlantic League. That's a full league. Uh, Clearwater is Florida State League. That's a full league. But then you have the the short season leagues, which is what Williamsport is in the New York Penn League, so it's like pretty much after after the draft, you get a lot of college players, yep. and you get a lot of players that have, ha- haven't have really played a lot of games. So that's where Hazley went, and then he went to Clearwater after that. Mm-hmm. He was good. I mean, he was. He was definitely good. He slowed down, but he showed me that he's going to be a good bat. And he's probably going to be ready a lot sooner than maybe people thought. Yeah, he's not that far away.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's the the beauty of taking a college bat there, and um, someone who was kind of far along in his progression. We saw. I mean, look, he came up and hit right away. He's got a great approach at the plate. Um, It looks like he's not necessarily going to be a you know. 40 homer type no, guy no, more no. of a doubles hitter but again a bat that it looks like you can really count on from what you've seen early on and and again it's that age thing right and, and we're going to get to that guy who is conspicuously I guess inconspicuously absent so far if you've ever looked at a Phillies prospect list in the last year and a half um a younger guy who you know you're still hoping is going to fill out a little more Hazley's a little more you know not, 21 Hazley's a lot more pro ready the body's a little more ready and uh, again you know the Hitting in college, it, it does kind of get you a little further along. Oh, definitely seen that does. Progression. No,
0: definitely. He's twenty-one, and I, I misspoke. He he finished at Lakewood, but two eighty-four. I thought it was Lakewood. I wasn't one hundred percent sure. He 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 batted two eighty-four in his rookie year, two two hundred fifteen at bats. So I would say a good start. So he's number five. Number six is um, is JoJo Romero. So JoJo Romero, they, they had a they had a. Um, a bunch of young pitchers at Lakewood, and then they went to uh, they went to Clearwater. Ranger Suarez, Jojo Romero, and and um, and Sixto, and these guys, I'm telling you, all these guys are going to be in the majors. And again, it's like they're so far away or whatever. But Jojo Romero is a left handed starter that doesn't have not lighting up the radar guns, but I like those guys because they know how to pitch. Yeah, he was ten and three this year with an ERA just above two in a couple different stops. So he's number six on their left, a lefty. Another pitcher, but again, a pitcher in the lower levels, yeah. not the upper levels. You have
1: to assume like one of these three guys at the top will work out. You know, that's the way I always. Hey, look. I'll take that exactly. If one of them works out, I will be extremely happy with it. But um, I like those type of guys too, John, and that—that's another type of. Um, profile that that also really usually gets underrated by prospect lists and whatnot because it is those guys where it's production but not necessarily the the flashy you know speed or or you know whatever it may be so um, I like JoJo too and the fact I, I I'm surprised he's ranked that highly to be honest I liked that he's that ranked that highly I think um, again a, a lefty. Uh, who has that kind of control and that kind of command of his pitches is, um, you know, and and also it should help those guys between him and Medina, the guys who are further along in their command, further along in their repertoire. Those guys might have a chance to get to the majors even quicker yep. and and make an impact. Two thousand eighteen will be
0: huge for those guys, yep. huge for him. All right, next up, Jalen Ortiz. Who is that? The man child. He's still only eighteen years old. Yeah, he's- and he was he was in Williamsport this year. 6'3", 215 pounds. So they signed him. I think it was a three million dollar. Uh, he's he's from the, the the Dominican. So they gave him the big bonus to come up. So he played last year. I mean he was 16 when he was playing at one point. He played last year at 17 in the Gulf Coast League. That's real rookie ball. And then he was in Williamsport this year. All he did in 159 at bats was bat 302. He cut down on his strikeouts. His on-base percentage was over 400. He had 8 home runs and 30 RBIs. He's got a ca- combination of power and speed and a great arm and he plays the outfield and he people were kind of overlooking this guy before but not anymore.
1: These are the type of guys that get me excited for, for a number of reasons. First and foremost, I love that this organization is putting down roots in Latin America and is, like, scouting that way. And this, this Dominican Republic Academy, like, these are the types of kids that the Phillies didn't used to get and now they're getting. And that is, like... Incredibly exciting to me because that's where the sport is heading. I mean, how many of you know the top players in the league at this point are Latin American players? You have to have roots down there. You have to be scouting. That and they're area.
0: inexpensive. You don't have to pay them twenty-five and, million exactly, dollars a year. Super cheap for to start.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, look at the World Series right now. Carlos Creo, Jose Altuve, two of the best players in the World Series. Those are those guys. Those are guys who people went down and scouted. And you know, obviously, Correa ended up being the first pick in the draft, came back and played. Uh, but Altuve was signed for like a ten thousand dollar contract originally, and and obviously. Don't no believe he would ever work out because the like size. That, he's like, man, he's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. But you know, you go down and you find these kids. That's the type of, of um, you know, uh, front office maneuvering where you can get advantages. And I do think that them putting that, uh, you know, the the dr uh, academy down there is huge. And I think Ortiz is, is a really exciting player. I mean, I think a lot of those guys, you kind of can look at the raw tools, but when they're in the Dominican Republic, when they're in those types of academies, when they're in you know rookie ball like that, like it's really hard to get a real feel for what they are other than just the raw tools. Right. But you see him come up and put up those types of numbers in Lakewood. I mean, that's incredibly impressive.
0: Yeah, so he probably starts next year at Lakewood, and if they or Williamsport, yeah, yeah, he probably will start next year at Lakewood, and if if they think that you know, that I, that he could probably just play a full season down there. He's only going to be nineteen, yeah, for crying out loud. All right, number eight, which is it's this is kind of fugazi Jorge Alfaro because like he was the starter at yeah, the end of the silly. year. I like Alfaro. Me um, too. I'm interested to see because pitchers are going to adjust to him. He doesn't walk. He got a little bit better with the plate approach, but I think we know what he is, what he's going to be. He's going to go up there hacking. Uh, Defense, he has to improve calling games he's going to have to improve. I don't know what his ceiling is going to be with that. We know he's well, got raw power. Yeah, that's
1: what it's going to come down to cuz I mean right. he's got a cannon of an arm. He's got raw power. The approach it, it was, you know, that was it's good. Right. It's good to see cuz I I was with you. I mean, I didn't think he was ready to be called up. When they called him up, I thought he was going to be, you know, 100 strikeouts to one walk type not of guy. At all. Got better uh, as the season went on. So like that's the type of stuff where that 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 part of the game is stuff that you can change. Like it's not something where you're a certain certain size or you have this much physical ability or whatever, like that's approach. That's something you can change. And I think that you know, just to see him start to change is, is a positive sign. But um, the, his ceiling's gonna. What if he reaches his ceiling? It's it's gonna have to come down to that calling a game and receive. We see how crucial that is in today's, you know, especially with League especially League with with a young staff exactly. that they have. Exactly, and and the young staff that's coming up. If you we're talking about these kids, I mean, theoretically, if Alfaro is the catcher of the future, he's gonna be catching those kids when they come. I'd up.
0: rather. I, I'd honestly rather have a guy that has a little bit of pop. And he could hit 180 for all I care and oh, can I handle staff. I totally agree. But, hey, it's good to have a guy with a bat right now like, like Alfaro. So we'll see, we'll see how he develop. And, again, you've got to develop these guys now.
1: Oh my God! Right. Well, that's the key, and that's what goes back to the whole conversation about Kepler and yep. about this whole thing. Like that, because because the tools, the tools are there for Alfaro. He's got the bat. I mean, his arm is a I, he's an eighty grade arm. Push. You know, for those who don't know the scouting scale, it's a twenty, 20 to 80. eighty scale. He is the best arm you can have for a catcher. So, like, there are real tools there. It's a question of how they developed them.
0: All right, number nine, Mickey Moniac was the first overall pick of the 2016 oh, draft, and um, and he was ranked, I believe, one. By most of the people with the Phillies. um, Heading into
1: last season, other than Crawford. And once Crawford kind of dropped down, Moniak was that next guy He was
0: the next guy up. And uh, and Moniak, he's 19 years old. I'm not going crazy with it. But after watching him and paying attention to him all season long, I'm not going to tell you that he can't be a major leaguer, but he really, really struggled last year, and kind of the, the scouting report on him coming out was, he may not have the highest ceiling, but he had the... he like Very he, high
1: floor, they said. He was
0: going to be like a Steve Finley, which I, w- I think everybody would sign up for right now. In a second. The problem is, I don't know if... I don't think he's going to be Steve Finley, and what he showed last year was that he doesn't have a lot of power. He's still only young. He's got to get stronger, but he strikes out a lot. He doesn't have great plate discipline. He can't hit lefties worth a, worth a you-know-what. And, I mean... Again, you don't want to overreact because he's only in a nineteen year old kid, but I've seen a lot like Jalen Ortiz was an eighteen year old kid and he came up and he was smashing it all over the place last year and uh and Mickey Moniac looked looked lost, frankly.
1: Yeah. Um I I was a Moniac defender through part of the year last year, and I'm starting to slightly veer the other way. The one thing I will say is is I, you could just tell he's not physically where he will ultimately be. Like he's not done growing. He still looks like he's not filled his fill body up. Yeah. And look, he needs to. That's on him. He needs to start kind of, you know, lifting weights, putting all that time in there. Like that's that's crucial for this. You don't the
0: Gabe Kapler plan. He
1: needs it. I
0: mean, come on, man. If you look like Kapler, would you find get half nude, take uh, lots of selfies? Uh
1: yeah, <laughs> that's the plan, right? Forget <laughs> all the other stuff. Just get nude and take selfies. Um, don't so forget the leopard. Uh, leopard. Yeah, leopard, oh, you yeah,
0: thong, Leopard thong, yeah.
1: Um, I look. I I think with Moniac, I'm not ready to say that's a, a bust and it'll never be anything because I do think that. I mean, it, it is important. And again, going back to the. Whole judging prospects thing—it's not just the age and the level and stuff. It's—it's it's really hard. I think harder than any other sport to judge a baseball prospect because the bodies do fill out, and, and it mm. is a sport where you know it really does matter in those cases. So I think that I'm not ready to to be out on Moniac, but I'm cert- no, me I'm certainly a lot more pessimistic than I was. You know, obviously the beginning of last year, but much less halfway through last
0: year. Hazley two years older, looks like a baseball player in Moniac. Looks like he looks like a, looks like looks like a baseball kid. player.
1: It's like Moniac looks like a kid. Looks like and a kid. You're Absolutely and, and the face, the 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 physique, the body, like he just looks like he doesn't look like he belongs out there on the field. So with, you know with men. I mean, even men. in the minors,
0: I mean you have young men out there and, and, and Moniac kinda does had looked at a kid. Two thirty six was his average in two thousand seventeen. Four hundred and sixty six at bats, just five home runs, hundred nine strikeouts. Here was the other thing, it's not a lot of speed. Seven yeah. stolen bases. It's like if he was stealing thirty bags, I'd be like got great speed. Mm-hmm. You know, if he was There's
1: really nothing you can point to as the problem. No. There's nothing like wow, like at least he Play, does that. the
0: approach wasn't good, the defense wasn't necessarily great. Um like you're looking for something tangible to be like, "Nah, but but it again, it's still early." So, it's not still early. Crazy. yeah, and
1: again also it's like, you know, uh, it's his second year, first full year in real, you 2018
0: know. is going to be a it's huge year. Uh,
1: let's put it this way. I think at the end of 2018 we'll be able to either say Mickey Moniak will be something
0: or he will never outfielder be Outfielder of the future for sure. Yeah. Or, cause or let's face it, just they have like, a lot of outfielders a, in the system. even just he'll
1: be a fourth outfielder in the majors or like that guy's never getting to the majors. Because right now, what we saw, I mean, that's that's on the table and that's crazy because he was the number one overall, number pick, one overall pick, pick. And the kid like Jason Groom looks freaking Oh my
0: awesome. God. Well, he, yeah, he's. There were some other problems with him, and well, and yeah, the kid obviously. that was taken second yeah, overall.
1: Aj is looked good. So uh, far.
0: St- it's not stencil, but it's uh, oh, Nick Stencil. stencil. Yeah. yeah,
1: he's been great for them. And was it the it. Reds or whatever? Reds. He's been
0: awesome. That kid plays third base too. Yeah, yeah, it's been yeah killing <laughs> it. Oh my god! Finally, Franklin Kilome is a <laughs> yeah, right-handed like right-handed pitcher who was at, spent time between Clearwater and Reading this year. Really good stuff. His numbers aren't the greatest as far as if you look at the stats, but he's got. He's got really high-end stuff as far as velocity and movement and stuff like that. So he's going to – believe me, he may be a, end up being a bullpen guy, but he'll be somebody that you see in the Phillies probably two years from now. Yeah,
1: his stuff's too good for him never to make it to the majors. And he's not – like, he's got enough control where I think he's – he'll make it to the majors. And again, like, a lot of these guys, like, having a guy turn into a, a quality middle reliever is a valuable thing. Is a good thing. Yeah. Is
0: a good thing. I think it's
1: hard. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people, or at least certainly casual fans, don't – understand like the value of those. Like if you have a guy who you draft in the first round and he turns into a fourth starter in the major leagues, it's really That's good. A successful yeah, it's crazy. Pick. It's really. It's, it's a, not it's sexy. Just a, it's not. But it's a very different thing than football and basketball. You know, kind of where you s- a
0: lot different, completely different. And they have a lot of young relievers too. So uh, we're gonna blame me. We're, we have so many weeks before spring <laughs> so, training so to preview. To How are you gonna organize this, James <laughs> Seltzer? We have so many different things we have to talk about. All right, last thing: World Series Game Five was last night, as we're recording this on a Monday. And I'd love to say I stayed up for it. Me too. I, I did not. Me too. Uh, I have children, and I I'm was devastated. so gassed. And I woke up to take a leak, and I looked on my phone, and I was like, you know, it's like best game in the history uh, of baseball. I'm like you I'm gotta like, be what? kidding
1: me, dude! I was like, I can't even do it. I can't even talk about it. I've gone back and I've watched parts of it, and I've just like I I made it to the sixth inning, and I like I was up at five in the morning to go do the you know eagle stuff, and it was just. I, I'm so disappointed in myself, but I'm no, more no, no, disappointed no. in Major League Baseball. Make these games earlier on school Game nights ended quarter work or work nights. Like, come on, man! Like, you want new fans? You want people to like this sport? Allow them to watch the the biggest games that you have. It, it's crazy that they're starting these things at eight o'clock, whatever it is. Like, that's I understand you got a West Coast team involved, but. I don't know. I think it's always a, starts at this. Time. I think it's a real detriment. I think two it, good think it teams is. Too. too. great. It's really. I mean, good not teams. just that game. Game two, which I thank God I did get to watch, was one of the best World yeah. Series games in a long time. It's been a really evenly matched, fun series. So great you know, series. A great series. One of the best. Series. I you know that's why I wanted to. I don't. I don't really have a huge rooting interest either way. I like Chase. I like Andrew Freeman. There's stuff on the Dodgers. Yeah, I like, I'd be I like good the with the Dodgers Astros. Listen. Maybe better. I think I like the Astros better just because of the whole. They're fun and you know the railings yeah. and stuff. But regardless. This I don't. I want it to go seven more than anything.
0: is my point. It's like going I'm rooting seven. for
1: seven more than I'm rooting for one team or
0: the other to it's win. It's been a heavy. It's been a heavyweight fight, and it, they're just slugging each other. I think it's going seven. It has
1: to. It has to. It's it, too great a series to not go seven.
0: That game last night, even though I didn't. Didn't watch it, but like like you said, I saw highlights and I I, I watched a bunch of sports under this morning. It reminded me of the Phillies Blue Jays game in '93. I was it at 15, that 11? game. They 15 11. At 14. that game. 15 14.
1: Highest scoring world. This was that was actually the last time was the second highest world World Series game scoring game of all time to that 15 14. I was at it. Dyches at two homers. It was crazy. It was like surreal. And I was I think it was 12 years old or whatever. And it was like surreal. Like runs just kept. Kept being scored, and you're like, what is happening right now? It was really awesome.
0: Yep. Awesome. So next time we talk, we will have a World Series champion, and we will actually have heard from Gabe Kapler. Howard Eskin, who is doing his normal Howard Eskin-driven agenda, I- I'll bet you, uh Hoagie, that he asked Kapler about those pictures. Because he- I, I, I he will tweeted not it. take that bet. He tweeted the picture. Of him in the thong, and he proceeded to tell every person that entered Chickies and Pizza Night about how he tweeted the picture out. And like everybody's just kind of looking at each other, being like, Yeah, we know Howard. We know you tweeted the picture out. Kapler's going to drive
1: everybody. Howard insane, and I can't wait. He is. It's
0: he's going to be awesome. He's, he's already done it.
1: I yeah, think. and guess what? Kapler's pretty smart, man. Like, I, like you're not going to get stuff by this guy. So it's going to be fun.
0: Going to be fun. That is another edition of High Hopes. Look for us every week. On how do you even find us, James Seltzer? I don't even know how you yeah, find iTunes, us
1: iTunes, all that good stuff.
0: iTunes, CBSPhilly.com uh, yeah, for CBS another philly month philly. before com. we change our company. Correct.
1: Entercom <laughs> something, then I'm sure. Yeah. It'll be good, though. We'll
0: keep you updated on how to do yeah, it. And of we'll course, follow out, us, us on Twitter stuff. at John Marks Media, J O N M A R K S Media, at James Seltzer, because there was no other James Seltzer. That stole his Twitter first, like somebody stole my Twitter. He won't give it back. <laughs> but the guy that has the John Mark's Twitter, will actually follow him, and he follows me because you know he gets people that, that tweet him. Of course, yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny.
1: Well, it's it's funny when it's like all this stuff where there's like a like um, you know some famous person in the news, and then it's the personal tweet out like I'm not you know Tom yeah. Cruise. Leave I'm me a, alone. Yeah, I'm an insurance salesman in, in Montana.
0: I I am not the president Donald yeah. Trump. <laughs> I'm just some guy named Donald. Trump. All right, everybody. Talk to you next week. Uh, High hopes. We out.